Hello, and you are listening to FP Cast, the podcast for fruitless pursuits where we bullshit about the week in pop culture. I'm Luke. I'm Jacinta. And this week we're talking about. Movies, movies, We're going to go for Game of Thrones, but uh, no, we Sonic ha- really we- has had a lot of <laughs> No, we did impact, Game of Thrones the other week. Impact on pop culture. Uh, yeah, I'm haunted. My dreams yeah. have been haunted. Even though, theoretically, our featured movie is that movie-length Game of Thrones that everyone's talking about. Absolutely. Uh, everyone's also talking about Sonic the Hedgehog, because mm. we just got a first trailer for that. Our first mm. proper look at what Sonic looks like in the real world. It's kind of a naked boy. Yeah. Naked blue boy. James Marsden just hates his fucking agent. Oh, James Marsden (laughs) has some bills to pay. (laughs) Did you see that comparison (gasps) show? Yeah, with the... um, With Hop. Yes. It's identical. James Marsden driving a car um, from 2011 with the CGI rabbit Mm. from Hop sitting Mm. in the passenger seat. And then there's a shot of him from 2019 driving Mm. a car with Sonic sitting in it. Uh, Almost the same expression. Yeah. Uh, taking animals where they need to be. But, I mean, you know, the plus side for him in those eight years, he's aged very well. Okay, yeah. sure. Look, you yeah. know, if you can take any positive out of this horrendous situation, he's still looking good. Yes, that's but, right. Uh, that's because he hasn't been out much. Yeah, well, he yeah. hasn't been exerting himself <laughs> yeah. on the big screen. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, now, there's a few layers of this because people are really hung up on the design. Mm. My, which I agree is very off-putting, but I think a lot of the modern Sonic the Hedgehog designs have been quite off-putting mm, anyway. Like all the pregnant ones? They're, well, yeah. <laughs> There's certainly something um, a little bit uh, strangely sexual that just creeped into Sonic. And even um, I saw some pictures of Sonic figures of characters that I didn't know existed mm. that I think are real deals because they were toys. And um, there's some pretty busty animal characters yeah, right. in there. There's some mm. uh, weird ones. Okay. I swear there's a, a titty bat. Oh, okay. Yeah, like a bat. With... She's like a really fruity bat? Yeah, <laughs> like a really busty bat. <laughs> so <laughs> When she hangs upside down, she like suffocates herself. Yeah, she gives herself yeah. two black eyes. <laughs> Ooh, big tits. Um, but yeah. So, so that's all weird enough. Yeah. But... I had the Sega Mega Drive in Mm. the early 90s, probably about 92 was when I got it, Mm. and Sonic was what drew me to it. And bear in mind, this was before Sonic had the voice of Steve Urkel. It Mm -hmm. was just, uh, he was just a little chubby bugger that liked to run really fast. Yeah. You know, Tails didn't even exist. And he went through this very unusual landscape. Mm. So I would kind of hope that a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, if one needs to exist, and let's say it does because everything else does, would have maybe that kind of candy-coloured, bizarre world where, almost like um, you saw the word Chasky Brothers Speed Racer recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know how they design a world which is all about racing. Mm. So everything's about insane tracks. Mm. 
And Sonic's world always seemed to have that insane kind of roller coaster vibe mm. and, and was all about themed worlds. Whereas this is just uh, Earth, an animated hedgehog pasted over the bunny from Hop, mm. basically. I mean, it's just James Marsden hanging around the world with uh, a hedgehog. Like, it looks like it was shot just on the side of the road. Yeah. 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 So I, I mean, I've only watched the trailer once, but isn't just the plot that Jim Carrey is going to do something bad and then Sonic's the only person that can stop it? Yeah, and is he's that, playing that, Eggman. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Eggman, Dr. Robotnik. Uh, yes. Who called Eggman because he's shaped like an egg. Mm. Not in this. And it's sort of Jim Carrey reminding us of, hey, do you remember Ace Ventura? That was funny, it's, right? It's, it's extremely 90s, yeah. yeah. Which normally I would love, but it's not the 90s anymore, Jim Carrey. He even does a thank you for asking Ventura scene in the trailer. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah. But at the end of the trailer, you see him looking more like Robotnik with the big moustache and mm. stuff. But anyway, I mean, it, it's a stretch. So the, what I'm saying is the idea that fixing the look of Sonic... Like, going back in and reanimating mm. some features and uh, changing the design. Mm. I don't think it's going to save It's still going to be movie. shit. It'll be maybe marginally less upsetting to look at. Yeah. But it'll still be a shitty movie. It's probably... I mean, we're pretty open-minded. We don't tend to say, Oh, this looks shit. Uh, but, yeah, this looks kind of shit. Like, I think this is probably look, the worst... Look, if it looks like shit, it smells like shit, it's probably shit. Worst mainstream trailer ever. But mm. at the same time... How entertaining has it been? Oh, it's been pretty fun. Yeah. There's been some fun memes. I've enjoyed it. Mm. And, um, yeah, so the director has come out and said, yeah, we're going to, we know that you hate it. We're going to fix it. But then a lot, a lot of other people have kind of come out and said, well, if they've got the ability to change this entire character model in six months or something, do they think that maybe they had already planned that? That this is some big crazy marketing thing to get people talking even more about the Sonic movie? Oh, no, that's a crazy internet conspiracy theory. I don't think things work like that. But surely it would take more than six months or however long it is to, to get the movie out to reanimate an entire main character. I don't know if you'd have to reanimate him. I think you'd just change the model. Mm. Because you, you have the model and, and you probably have to do tweaks depending on what changed. But, you know, the way that modelling software is you can increase the size of something and still have it running through the same motions mm. in the same way that they have, you know... Those, like, motion capture movements and then you can put whatever the fuck you want over the top of it. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, they must be able to do it. I, I think that's more likely than they deliberately put out something that they thought everyone well, would that, hate no, that for they marketing. Had, well, just that they had an easy backup, just in case. Yeah, I, it doesn't seem like a smart way to work. Yeah, but these are the people that made the Sonic the Hedgehog look like this. Yeah, no, I think that's crazy. But, uh, yeah, they'll... Um, you know, it's all fucking sliders. They'll shift some sliders. It's like character creation. You know, opening a Skyrim. Whack some sliders. Let's make it fatter. Let's make it taller, etc. Mm, They'll yeah. just be doing that. You're paying overtime to a whole lot of artists which is going to make their profit margin even smaller for a movie that's definitely not going to make a profit. Yeah. Because everyone's going to bitch about, oh, this is not my Sonic. But they're not going to go and fucking see it anyway. I don't know. I don't know. Because uh, the, the thing I've enjoyed is reading the comments from Sonic fandom. And it's a really special group. Oh, it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I've mostly... Look, there are some fandoms that I've kind of dipped a toe into just to kind of uh, see what's going on down there. But the Sonic fandom is, is something else entirely. Yeah, I read some Twitter stuff that uh, confused, b bemused, 
disgusted. It did all those things. Yeah. It was pretty incredible. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's a thing. Are we gonna are we gonna see that thing in the cinema? I don't want to. But do you think we have to? It's a cultural touchstone. <sighs> I think people I guess... are gonna want. Well, look, listeners, you tell us. We've got quite a bit of time as they try and fix this thing. I guess we're just gonna have to see what else is out that weekend. And you let us know if we <laughs> need to review Sonic or not. Can we? Can... We're doing. It. We're here for the listeners. I know, but. Can the listeners be nice and just let us wait a couple of weeks and watch a cam version, which we definitely won't watch because that's illegal. I don't know. Up to you, listeners. <laughs> Jacinta is going to 100% go along with whatever you say. She's just uh, yeah, I'm so nodding her head vigorously I'm to confirm so that right now. so compliant both, with that. Both thumbs up? Yeah. Wow. Mm. A cartwheel? <laughs> really committed to this. <laughs> All right. And uh, look, while we're speaking about trailers, we just watched the trailer for Ophelia, the uh, story of Hamlet through Ophelia's eyes. Mm -hmm. It was made last year, finally getting wide release this year. You love Shakespeare. Mm. I love Daisy Ridley. Mm. Whack them together. Mm. Can't lose. Yeah. It's no fast Beth, though, is it? Well, Hamlet's <laughs> not Macbeth, is it? <laughs> um, no, no. I mean, yeah, I guess it looks fine. I guess it looks fine. It's all that sort of dreamy lighting, flowy hair sort of. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, and, fine. But, and King's going... Clive Owen going... Yeah. Yeah. That's his audition for the Murloc in the next World of Warcraft movie. He was like, I'm going to do a... Boss Nass thing yeah. as the king. Yeah. Uh, because it's been 20 years and I think people are ready. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I look, I'm, I'm keen. I like a bit of Shakespeare and there's Daisy Ridley doing her thing. I kind of want to see what she does outside of Star Wars. It's her first leading role outside of Star Wars. We've only seen her in uh, Peter Rabbit. Peter Rabbit. And <laughs> uh, what's the other thing? Oh, I don't know. The Orient Express. Oh, yeah. Where she was only sort of background, really. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what about the knife of never letting go? Didn't they make that forever ago? Where's that? That's her and Tom Holland, based on a YA book series. All right, well. I saw it. No, I did see it. I think I saw behind the scenes pictures of that. Yeah, I think ages yeah, that ago. was ages ago. She had yeah. blonde hair. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> like, Tom Holland's people are going to be like, can you do uh, press for this YA movie thing? And his agents are just like, no. Well, it's supposed to be a really good book. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. I will take your word for it. Uh, well, that's all we got, really, isn't it? Yeah. This stage. Uh, and news-wise, uh. I'm just going to keep moving on. I'm yeah. just I'm just gauging your interest on these topics and deciding, yeah, okay, you're ready to move on. <laughs> uh, Willow. Come on, you got to be excited about Willow, the I, uh, fantasy series starring Warwick Davis, yeah. one of your pals, yeah. Val Kilmer. yeah. Getting a, a sequel series on Disney Plus, quite possibly. At least Ron Howard, he's looking into it. Yeah, there's nothing set, obviously, in this yet. It's just in talks at the moment. And I only found out about this because Val Kilmer posted it on his Facebook page. And I imagine that he's... Um, I, I don't even know if he still has an agent, but if he has an agent, he's probably uh, waiting by the phone very closely for a call that is absolutely never going to come. Oh, no, they've got to get him back. Everyone's going to want... Like, they're such a great team. And by all accounts, they were really good friends in real life. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, he's, he's always seemed very um, warm to, to Warwick. Like, he put when Star Wars, the new Star Wars come, came out and stuff, he'd always post stuff about it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like if it is just in talk still, 
I feel like there might be people just waiting to see how filming Top Gun goes. And uh, is he as much of a problem as he used to be? Let's see. But isn't he mad... Mardigan? Mordigan? Mad Mardigan. Mad yeah. Mardigan. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's mad, so it doesn't matter. He is, but, like... Just improv. Do you feel like Ron Howard can really be fucked dealing with Val Kilmer? You they know? could put him back in that cage if they <laughs> have to. <laughs> they, they could put him back in the cage. I hope yeah. it's called Attack of the Pecs. <laughs> oh. And there's lots of uh, pecs mm. in it. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I heard a story. I think it was on a podcast or something. I can't source this because it was a long time ago. Mm. But the... Warwick Davis went to Val Kilmer's birthday party and it was this wild party and Warwick Davis just dropped in and Val was so excited to see him and um, when Warwick had to go, he loaded him up with a lot of stuff to take home with him, mm-hmm. which included a, a framed picture off the wall and okay. his birthday cake. Yeah, okay. Yeah. How, how much can he really carry? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that was a part of the experiment. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. uh, he really enjoyed him. So, yeah. you know, if, if there was that kind of chemistry yeah. was on the screen, yeah. I'd be pretty stoked. Yeah, yeah. Look, if it, if it did happen, I would be very excited about it. I loved Willow as a kid, obviously, as most people, I think, of my age did, and your age. And, <laughs> um, and yeah, I think this Disney Plus thing, I know a lot of people are a bit, Disney owns everything. And they're becoming a monopoly of all our entertainment. But I'm like, well, you know what? I'm not that upset about it just yet. Oh, no. It's crazy for people to think that way anyway, seeing as how they're currently lapping up everything. that's given things beyond their wildest dreams. Yeah. Did you like Endgame? Shut up, basically. Excited about Frozen 2? Of course you are. Beside myself. Toy Story 4? Gifts. Gifts, all of them. Mm. I'm lost. Willow... All right, okay. We've done our trailers, we've done our news. Okay. Bit out of order, but we got yeah, there. No, we did. Let's do a couple of reviews. Okay. Just some sort of catch-up stuff that we saw. Yes. Then we're going to talk about our uh, What to Watch challenge. Yes. And then we're going to do a spoiler review of Game of Thrones. Yes. And in fact, before we even do that, I want to do a spoiler revisit of Endgame because I've got some more thoughts as I'm sure you do as well yeah, because sure. uh, we've uh, heard a lot more since we talked about it last time uh, so first reviews you saw I saw The Chaperone which I think we've been kind of talking about oh, not on the show obviously um, a few months weeks months ago uh, because this is a film uh, written by Julian Fellows, who obviously is a writer of um, Downton Abbey, which is something that we both enjoy a great deal with the Downton Abbey movie coming out this September as well. Very exciting. Um, so I had an opportunity to check this one out, and I, I didn't really hold hugely high hopes for this one because the lead is um, Elizabeth McGovern, who played Cora in Downton Abbey. And, look, I don't think it's incredibly unkind to say that I don't feel like Cora is anybody's favourite character. Uh, she's a bit of bit of hard work whenever she is on the screen, so I wasn't, uh, wasn't expecting a great deal from this, but it's sort of... It's like a really aggressively pleasant film. Like, it doesn't try too hard and is pretty crowd-pleasing. So it's a story of a, a, young, a young girl. I didn't realise until the end of the movie that this is actually apparently a true story. Um, 
a young girl who's uh, grew up in Kansas and goes to New York to like become a dancer, but she can't go to New York by herself because of men, and so has to take a chaperone. Um, and that is uh, Elizabeth McGovern goes with her, but she has ulterior motives because she wants to uh, dig up some parts of her, her past in New York as well. So it's as I said, it doesn't kind of deviate anywhere from from what you would expect this film there's it sort of dips into moments you think oh actually that's a really kind of interesting moment interesting idea and then it just whips on past and just takes you on this very very straightforward oh she's going to go to new york and then she's going to you know become very famous and eventually she goes on and becomes a um quite famous silent film actress and and all of this sort of stuff and um even though not a huge amount happens in the film it's something that i think would work pretty well almost as like a mini series maybe with a little bit more I hate to say it more engaging cast because a lot of what Julian Fellows stuff is it's not that the actual content is unbelievable like a lot of even the stuff that happens in Downton Abbey is borderline tropey and you can predict a lot of the stuff but it's just those actors and those characters that just have that real time to breathe and um inhabit their characters that you really give a shit about them and that's where the the charm of Downton Abbey that this sort of loses a little bit but um I I mostly did enjoy it I can't feel that I can massively recommend it to anybody under the age of probably 65 uh but it was a it was a pleasant enough experience and I feel like I got more out of it than I had expected what do you think our oldest listener is? Probably me right now. <laughs> Probably, yeah. So it doesn't make you worried about the Downton Abbey movie? No, no, no. It, do- it doesn't make me worried because you've got the Downton cast. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we... Everyone who loves Downton Abbey loves that cast and they're going to do a good job, so... They burn up. They burn up. And I think it's the same with, like... Like, I enjoyed Gosford Park, but mm. I wasn't, like as connected with Gosford Park as I was with Downton Abbey. Again, because it's just those characters that you love so much. So, um, yeah, look, this was... this was It was good. It didn't quite scratch that Downton itch, but uh, there's more Downton coming very soon. There you go. Didn't scratch your downtown itch. How many stars? Uh, I think I gave it three. All right. It was, it was better than average. Okay. And I saw High Life, which is part of the uh, French film festival that's uh, touring around at the moment... It's uh, an English-language film, however, and the first English-language film by director Claire Dennis. Mm-hmm. And it's also her first sci-fi film. But it's a sci-fi unlike anything... You, well, I was going to say unlike anything you've kind of seen, but it's probably got this sort of dark, gritty, miserable kind of Danny Boyle oh, yeah. feel okay. to it. Like and, a sunshiny kind of thing. Yeah, and it stars Robert Patterson. Oh, yeah. It's uh, told completely out of order. Mm. And um, Juliet Binoche mm-hmm. is a kind of mad scientist, experimenter, doctor person who is on a spaceship filled with condemned criminals mm-hmm. who are being sent off into a black hole okay. for science. Okay. And uh, it's a it's a very strange film, mm-hmm. um, quite challenging at times, quite confronting at times. Uh, takes a bit of energy to kind of uh, get through it. Mm. But at the same time, I feel like, although it's hard to watch in parts and, it, and there's parts where you're like, I don't know where this is going, it's uh, unique enough 
and rewarding enough, I think, that it's it's worth a look. Mm. Um, I don't know where you get the opportunity to necessarily see High Life, but uh, if you do get a chance, I think it's... And, and that sort of thing appeals to you, a bleak, mm. heavy sci-fi. Uh, I knew it was going to be different when I saw a letterbox review talking about um, Juliet Binoche going into the... Because they're all... Uh, celibate on while they're on the spaceship mm-hmm. they have a special room called the fuck box which okay. is this bizarre masturbation chamber that they go into okay and uh yeah it's an odd film mm. Mm. but uh yeah i quite enjoyed it i think i gave it three and a half okay which means it uh, very much engaged me oh. yeah mm. That's playing in a fuck box near you. <laughs> mm, yeah, I might, I might pass on that one. As intriguing, really? as intriguing as yeah. it does sound, I might take a, a little pass on that one. Robert Patterson's such a wild card, though, isn't he? Oh, he does yeah. a lot of interesting things. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think he's going to become one of those really. Um, I mean, he already is like one of those uh, very solid risk-taking actors. Yeah, where anything that he does, like he he. He has success at it. Like, I don't think I've seen any, him in anything in the last five years that I've thought, meh. He's I, been pretty good in, in everything he's been in. I would say the same for Kristen Stewart. You know, yeah, she, she did yeah. those mainstream things. Mm. Obviously, you know, they both did Twilight and then she did the Huntsman stuff, which was pretty forgettable. Mm. But things like Personal Shopper and um, mm. even the... She's uh, Charlie's Angels. Is this this year oh, or next year? Okay, yeah, mm. I'm not sure. But she did that... Um, is it the Lizzie Borden axe murdery thing? Oh yeah, yeah. She does a lot of risk taking things, hmm. so good for them. Good, they they came out the other side. They did, you know. I, that's the way to go. It's like yeah. Daniel Radcliffe hmm. goes, uh, "Let me pick worms out of my legs on Jungle, or let me be a farting corpse or a horned devil man." Hmm. You got to or a skinhead Nazi dude. Like you got to, you know, mix it up. Hmm. A little funny. You can't just. The rocket all your life and just do the same thing all the time, <laughs> like Dwayne. Yeah, Dwayne makes bank though. <laughs> like yeah. it's not, you know, it's not like Dwayne is uh, is losing out on anything because he's not pushing himself artistically. Well, yeah, that that is an insight into your soul. <laughs> so let's catch up on our what to watch challenge we've got our last two bollywood leading ladies films Mm. to talk about before we switch into our may theme Mm -hmm. now this first week we had to do a film starring maturi dixit i think i think the pronunciation of her surname i think the x is more of a sh sound but I don't really want to call her Madhuri Dixit for the <laughs> for the rest of this podcast. Let's just call her Madhuri. Madhuri. Yeah. Okay. Let's just go with that. Do you want to go first here? Uh, yes. I, uh, I've i really enjoyed this Bollywood month. I think we've had very different experiences throughout these last four films. Um, I watched a film called uh, Devdas, which I believe is from 2002 and um, is a uh, – it's a romantic – drama um but it's this really overwrought uh dramatic movie where barely 10 minutes goes by without someone having a, a you know emotional single tear trickle down their cheek uh it's a story of um two people who grew up together so there was uh devdas who's the main character the main male character played by Shah Rukh khan and um pardo who 
is a, a young girl that he, he left to go away to, to England to study. He's come back after 10 years. Uh, he's come back. They're both hot and they're like, great, let's get married. And then his family, who was extremely, extremely rich, is like, no, no, she's not good enough. And he's like, no, I want to marry her. And then the family's like, no, this is ridiculous. And then her family is like, no, <laughs> just just let me tell my story. And then her family is like, you know what? If you think that our daughter is not good enough for your son, we're going to sell her to someone even richer. So she's going to have an even better life. And then he like loses his mind and goes off and uh, becomes an alcoholic and lives in a brothel or for some reason that I can't remember. And in the brothel is a courtesan played by um, Madhuri. And she is so fucking rad, honestly. Like, I've seen, you know, we've a couple of seen Bollywood movies this month and I've seen, you know, previous Bollywood movies. And I have actually seen uh, Madhuri live in a stage show that I saw quite a few years ago. And her performances, like in the singy-dancy, you know, stuff is so far beyond anyone else like there's a point where you just kind of watch someone and go oh shit okay this is like gold standard and I think the fact that this this director really honed in on what it was about her that people just love like they would have the big wide shots for the big you know choreographed um group dance scenes and then they just get these tight shots to just have like a you know, a little smirk or a um, nod of the head or something like, you know, just really zeroing in on, on, on her face there. And I I really loved her in this. The other actress was, um, hang on, I'll look it up because I can't remember her name, but she was so beautiful. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so great. And then it got to Madhuri and I was like, oh, this is so great too. Um, it's a bit of a downer movie. Honestly, like, it kind of starts this beautiful, like, young love romance and then everything goes to shit and everything just kind of stays really, really shit. So it's not a particularly uplifting romance film, but um, the performance sequences were just so good and I really, really love this one. I watched a film called, and I'm going to really fuck this up, I'm apologising in advance, Hum Apki Hain Korn. Uh, H-U-M space A-A-P-K-E space H-A-I-N space K-O-U-N. It's from the 90s, Mm -hmm. and it is about weddings and arranged marriages and things. Mm -hmm. Basically, two brothers, one sort of serious, hardworking, one who is an adult who acts like a Mm 10-year-old, and two sisters. Mm -hmm. And the older sister marries the brother, and then the younger sibling, the younger couple Mm -hmm. sort of flirt and court. A lot of family members in it, a lot of big celebration scenes, lots of weddings, a funeral, a lot a lot of stuff happening, mm. lots of cricket. Yep. And this thing is over three it's longer than Endgame, over three hours long. Yeah, this was uh, this was probably end like two three hours, two minutes, I think mine was, so same as Endgame. You know, they, they play a game at one point, which is like pass the parcel, but they're mm passing around a cushion and this game just happens in real time and they <laughs> if the music stops and you're holding the cushion you have to do something mm-hmm. but it's not something crazy like uh you know lick a body part of the other person mm-hmm. it's say something in english or recite a poem uh-huh. there's also like about a half hour sequence where they go through a tradition of stealing the groom shoes and uh-huh. selling them back to him okay. so a lot of nonsense but this was my favorite out of okay. all the ones I watched, it is inter- entertaining. It's um, very funny and, and joyous, except when it's not. <laughs> and uh, it has a dog called Tuffy in it, okay. who sits on a bootleg Mickey Mouse chair, yep. even when he's in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tuffy is also the umpire of the cricket games. Okay. He has signs that he holds up, like mm-hmm. Wiley Coyote, to say when somebody's 
out okay. or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's also this great bit where there's a baby born and they dance around a nursery which is completely painted in bootleg Disney characters, mm-hmm. including a Daisy Duck, which looks like she's got the rickets or something. <laughs> something wrong there. Um, there's odd, fun little Easter eggs for... English speakers, mm. like one of the ladies introduced is wearing a t-shirt that says bum chums <laughs> oh, cool. uh, for no particular reason. Yeah. But uh, all that silliness aside, and it is very silly and bizarre in, in times, there was something in it that I, a scene that I really loved, which I thought I've never seen anything close to this in a Western movie. Mm. And it's during some sort of ceremony, some sort of celebration. And, of course, it's mainly about the young people, but we we see the parents in this. And all the men are sitting on one side of this huge room and all the women are sitting on the other side. And they're Mm. all sitting, like, cross-legged on the floor, staring at each other with Mm. this sort of channel of empty carpet Mm -hmm. in between them. And they ask uh, the father of... Who's the uncle? Uncle or father of one of the boys? I really can't remember. But he's an older gentleman. Mm. He's been pretty sort of goofy along. You know, nothing special. He gets to play a song for the women. They want him to sing. So he plays this song and it's so joyful. And he's looking across at the mother of the daughter. Who, you know, not his wife. Mm. But they have this incredible chemistry. And Mm. both of them suddenly seem instantly like 10 times sexier than they were before. Mm. There's just this real tense eye contact. And he's singing this song about how wonderful she is and how lucky his brother is to be with this woman. Mm. And then she sings a response song. And again, just looking at him like these two, they just both look amazing. So much tension. And she's singing. And, you know, these older couple and she's singing about how her daughter is just so valuable to her and that she's going to make them happy in in Mm. their lives and stuff but just this really amazing sequence which i've not seen that done in Mm. uh, these western cultures which are more um about young beautiful people yeah yeah but these were some sexy oldsters i wanted them to just get at it i think that's it's the power of song and performance isn't it like western movies just cannot cannot do the musical and in the way the Bollywood can. Eyes. Like, I, in these Bollywood movies that I've watched anyway, I'm not finding a hell of a lot of substance in the dialogue. You know, they're all very straightforward, mm. um, you know, cliches. And really people just talking about what's happening immediately there. There's not a lot of soul-searching mm. or whatever. And But then I think maybe that soul-searching is a very um, privileged, selfish, self-centred thing, whereas they mm. seem a lot more interested in family and the people around them. Mm. And uh, I, I think... Far more is communicated with the eyes and body language than it is mm-hmm. in um, a lot of the Western films I've seen, where everybody's mm. spewing up about their feelings. Mm. Uh, so yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was interesting. Yeah, like there's a, there's a scene in in Devdas where they're just sort of dancing around a pool, and like I don't think anyone even kisses in this movie. But I the don't amount think of like allow, are allowed, the are they? amount oh, I don't know. Um, the amount of, like, crazy sexual energy of these people who are barely touching each other, I'm just like, holy fuck, this is unbelievable. Maybe that is a part of it, because Mm. um, I'm under the belief that in most Bollywood films there isn't kissing. I was speaking to um, an Indian friend who was telling me that, you know, that that's more of a private thing, so Mm. you see them get close, but, Mm. you know, that's something that 
extra step is something that would be seen as private. Mm. But uh, maybe because of that, you really do see mm. a connection. And, and a connection has to be made without just the Hollywood sex scene being Yeah, 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 yeah. They have to, they must have chemistry. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Which I think is why a lot of those, uh, you know, those big leading actors, they, you know, once they find a, I guess, a partnership that clicks, they do work together um, mm. again because that's that's like 90% of the battle, surely. Now, we both watched the same second film, didn't we? Which yes, was New Year's did. Eve. Yes, we did. Holy shit. This, so this is from like about a year ago or is it a couple, like 2014? A couple of years ago, yeah. 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 So this was the most recent Bollywood film I saw. Mm. It's about a heist for diamonds at a yeah. dance competition. Yeah, it's kind a re- of inspired my current Dungeons and Drongos adventure a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a revenge heist. So they're getting revenge on this super rich dude. Um, and so they enter a dance competition that's being held at like a hotel thing that he owns. And uh, yeah. Of, sort of a comedy action. Yeah, yeah. Mission Impossible kind of film. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. But shit. I loved it. I fucking loved it so much. It was so funny. And I, I, the, the opening fucking scene is that bit where, like, Shahrukh Khan is wrestling that dude in the mud and then he gets, like, thrown in the mud and he stands up all fucking dramatically and they hose him off and he's got, like, the craziest abs that I had to pause the movie and Google are Shahrukh Khan's abs CGI <laughs> in there, and they weren't—they were all real. I'm like, this dude's like a fifty. How the fuck does this happen? Um, and it's so over the top. And then the second scene is like this—the um, bomb technician guy that works on the movie. And for some reason, he's not wearing a fucking shirt either. And I'm like, what is happening here? And everything was just so bananas and colourful and over the top and. It was such contrast to Devdas, which is very serious and dramatic and emotional, and this was just, like, so goofy and silly and funny, and I loved but it. But it's funny in a dumb, ironic way, right? Yeah, but, like, they, like, they know. Like, they're not, they're not going, this is, this is genuine. Like, those kind of hero shots, like, at the end when, when like, they all kind of come back and Shahrukh, like, has that hero reveal moment. It's so goofy but and don't fun. They, yeah, but it's not like, um, like, don't they think it's legitimately cool? <sighs> you know, it's not like David Spade or someone doing an action hero character or, you know, that idea of, haha, it's jokey cool. I get the impression that a lot of those looks and scenes are supposed to be cool. Yeah, well, some of them are cool. I think they're cool. I think it's so funny to see what a culture thinks is cool. And it reminds me that, um, like, that Western American Hollywood culture mm. for other places must be the most hilarious. Because, mm. you know, imagine seeing Tom Cruise or Bruce Willis or someone mm-hmm. and going, that's your action mm. guy? Like, that's what you think is is cool? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, it would just be bewildering. But some of the dialogue in uh, this film is so fucking terrible. That bit with the DJ booth and the girls uh, and the narrator, which mm. is um, what's his name? Cheryl Khan. He's like, girls aren't interested in IQ; they're interested interested in CQ. Charisma. Cool, cool quotient. Cool quotient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you can't even say, "Oh, it's lost in translation," because they speak English for quite a like. They're pretty good at English. 
Yeah. Like, they do speak English for quite a bit in the movie, and I'm just like, oh, no. Um, yeah. I look, you know what? I had a great time, and I think it's not the best movie I watched of this month, but it is... I had the most fun. Like, even the credits. I was watching the credits, cracking up laughing. And it's quite racist and homophobic, too. Well, yeah. I feel like a lot of Asian... It's really of- racist against the Korean competitors. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it and, is. And to a real, like... Haha, <laughs> you eat rice, you all look the same kind of very basic. Like, it's not a... Oh, there's, there's one scene where they sort of make a joke that they're Chinese and then another character goes, you can't call them Chinese, they're Korean. What the fuck is wrong with you? And then they move on. No, they don't. He keeps going at him and then the scene ends with um, him going, you are so vulgar. But the guy mm. keeps doing it. It's the mm. drunk guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And, um, and then there's that bit where they try to blackmail the two guys by showing the footage that they're gay and then you mm. see them, like, prancing around in pink bras. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, again, that's it's just a cultural thing and we're not championing championing that or saying it's okay, but it is Yeah, it just I, don't is think what it's, it is. I don't think it's okay. No. Yeah. It is what it is. Though I was watching... Because in the Korean team, there was a couple of dudes who were a bit sort of darker skin than the rest of the team and knowing what I know about um, Korea and their racism I'm like mm, that's not realistic they wouldn't let them in the team oh but the comedy is is seriously stuff like let's watch these guys for five minutes prance around in pink tutus trying to learn these you know cool guys dance mm. around in pink tutus mm. isn't that funny I love the because bit with they're the, learning ballet but what about the bit where they're like going over they're rehearsing their heist with dolphins and they're in the pool. They're in the pool with dolphins. Don't know why. The dolphins yeah. aren't related to anything. Nah. But they're just like really cuddling these dolphins. But again, there's no benchmark for me. Like, is this considered to be an actual good comedy? Or is this like Paul Blart, Mall Cop? Like, I don't know. Because it feels like Paul Blart, Mall no. Cop. In terms of I comedy. Think, I think it's like a big entertaining blockbuster kind of thing. Because, like, there's money in this movie. I know, like, the there is, is money. Is so basic. Like, school camp skit kind of stuff. Yeah, but, I mean, I think the, the benchmarks are a bit different. And I feel like there are certain groups of audience that are going to movies for different outcomes. Like, I imagine if a lot of people uh, went to this film just wanting to kind of have fun and have a laugh, they're going to get that out of the film. You don't think... Yeah. So there's no uh, better way, like, better comedy out there, or this this is enough? Well, I don't know. Again, I just think it's, like, comedy is such a cultural thing, too. Like, I watch a lot of Korean movies, and once you watch a lot of them, you kind of get their idea of comedy, and you find what they're doing funnier... Whereas someone watching one of those films for the first time would be like, this isn't funny, this is this is stupid. This is men in pink tutus. <laughs> well, not not quite, but yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, interesting. The other thing, that it looks so expensive in terms of all the dance sequences and the staging mm. of this competition, but at the same time, the whole thing has this really digital, glossy, mm. cheap-looking film stock. It's mm. so bizarre to me. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it, it was great. All right. Uh, and next time we're doing costume designers mm. is May. So we got to look at a film with costumes by Colleen Atwood mm-hmm. is the first one. And I'm doing The Handmaid's Tale, the oh, okay. movie from the 80s, I think it was, yeah, right. which looks completely tonally different to the yeah. critically acclaimed TV series. And I'm really curious to see what the, uh, yeah. what the difference is. I'm trying to remember, because I know we did Handmaid's Tale at, at school, um, 
the book, obviously, but I um, I don't remember if we watched the movie or not. Oh, I'm watching um, Little Women from 1994, which I've somehow never seen. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the uh, listeners have thrilled at both those choices. <laughs> at least we'll only be doing uh, one movie a week uh-huh. as we uh, catch up. Okay, with all that out of the way, now we enter the spoiler section of our show. So if you don't want to be spoiled about first Endgame spoilers continuing and then Game of Thrones episode 3 spoilers, I suggest you leave the show now. Uh, Thanks for listening. Go to fruitlesspursuits.com to find out everything we're doing, including other shows like Dungeons & Drongos, which is doing a live show soon. Links to our Facebook discussion page. We'd really like to hear from you there. Patreon, social media, all that stuff. We want to hear from you. Uh, Thanks for your support. If you're okay with spoilers for both Endgame and Game of Thrones, then brace yourselves because spoilers begin... Now, let's talk Endgame first. Okay. Because a lot of new information has come out, Mm -hmm. and I also think we've had longer time to what? You're so fucking disgusting. I'm not even going to describe what you did to the listeners with your action figures, because that is so fucked up. (laughs) I'm just waiting for how long it was going to take you to notice. You are such a fucking dickhead. Okay, go on, go on. Yeah, (laughs) I'll keep that. Now, audience, here's a competition. Guess what I did with the action <laughs> figures on the table in front of Jacinta while she popped out of the room. Uh, Holdo and Rose. Yow! Mm. What was he talking about? Oh, Endgame. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. We're, we're still sort of getting our heads around what happened and yeah. all the various theories. Mm. And uh, also, we've been pretty... Uh, tight on spoilery discussion on our Facebook discussion page. Yes, but the the Russos have come out and said, as of Monday, it is fair game. Yeah. As of Monday, everyone can talk about whatever the fuck they want because everyone's had two weeks. If you haven't seen it, too bad. And I'm like, yes, Russos, yay! And I think we'll do the same. I'd love to open up the discussion because I think we're really learning a lot of things by hearing various theories. Plus, Mm. the um, directors and the writers, uh, they're all been doing interviews where they're talking about this stuff Mm. and there has been some new insight yeah and the cast have sort of said that you know they have lots of videos and stuff that they want to share on their social Mm. media everyone's like give it to us because chris pratt put up one that he wasn't supposed to put up um a little bit early and that was a really fun video it looked dull don't you reckon, like, compared to the, you know, you watch the movie. Oh, go, yeah, well, yeah. Oh, fuck. And then you see it and everyone's just standing around going. In the, in, in, yeah, they're all standing around in their civvy clothes. Just like, gum mm. and yeah. talking about probably nothing. Yeah, they're fucking kids or whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So not as exciting as it looks on the big screen. Uh, you got some peace of mind, what well, we both did, mm-hmm. from uh, our, our friend Jody on the forum. Yes, yeah, so I'd been complaining that Thor had taken uh, the hammer from the alternate timeline, meaning that that Thor would not have his hammer. But as Jody pointed out, which I did not notice after two viewings of this film, that when Steve goes to take the, um, the stones back to their rightful place, he takes the hammer with him. And I would sort of thought, oh, he's taking it as a weapon because he doesn't have his shield now or whatever. Um, but no, obviously he took the hammer back to put the hammer back in its correct timeline. So all is well. So that is plugged. Speaking of Captain America, mm-hmm. I read this morning that there are two conflicting theories from the directors and writers on how the end works. Okay. 
So the directors, the Russos, believe that he's been living in an alternate timeline, mm. which I think makes the most sense. Yeah, because I was thinking about this last night because I had a, a, someone that I know on Twitter who'd just seen it and she's like, oh my God, I need to talk to somebody about it. Um, and uh, there was that thought of, you know, did he just live his life and then walk back into that scene at the the right moment or did he live in that alternative timeline and then, you know, not come back exactly when he was meant to but come back at a, you know, different location or wherever over there. And the alternative timeline makes so much more sense because how could he have lived without affecting anything else? You know yeah. what I mean? Well, the writers have said no, their intent was that he came... He's been in this timeline the whole time. Mm. So from 48 onwards, there were two mm. Captain Americas and living in this world, mm. but one of them was frozen for most of it. Yeah. But the problem I have with that is... Is that Peggy's been alive. There's and not he, two and, Peggy and, Carters, exactly. Yeah, and he's been going to see Peggy. Like, it's yeah. established in... Was it Winter Soldier or Civil War? that he go, He's been going to see Peggy regularly. Yeah, so, so she hasn't lived two different lives. Yeah. So I don't know how that works. Yeah. Did, did old, did, you know, the other Steve just nip out to the shops when young Steve came to visit or something? Yeah, it doesn't really work. Yeah, and plus we know she's lived a different life hmm. through S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that yeah. sort of stuff that, that didn't have him. So he's either affected things or he hasn't. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's all a bit sketchy. Uh, my main platform I want to talk about is I am now convinced after my period of mourning that Black Widow is still alive. Mm-hmm. And I have a number of theories here. First is well, evidence. These are the things I've collected. Okay. Now she she is she's dead, right? She is dead, but yes, there is but, there is she can be brought back. Well, I think she's already. But at the time the movie ends, I think mm. she's alive. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is my theory. One, it's doesn't seem to have been motivated by a Scarlett Johansson career decision, which seems to be really the only way people leave these movies at the moment. Mm. Uh, we found out that the first draft actually has Hawkeye going, mm. but then I think it was a visual effects supervisor. She said, um, you know, don't take that moment away from her. Let her have that. That's a really mm. awesome moment. He's got his family, etc. So they decided to change it. Mm. So this isn't Scarlett going, well, that's me done. It's something that was done for the story and for a great moment. Mm. Uh, two, we've been under the belief that her solo movie is a prequel. And we've talked about all the potential issues with that in terms of the aging. We know they mm. can anti-age someone. Mm-hmm. I think it's easier to take someone like Samuel L. Jackson older to that age as opposed to knock, you know, 10 years off Scarlet. Like, what mm. do you do without everyone looking really shiny and mm. smooth? Um, and I just don't think that's feasible. Because when you uh, cast someone like Florence Pugh and you have her next to Scarlet, they're not going to look the same age it's weird i don't think you're going to believe that and then sort of realize that hang on this idea of them doing a prequel has usually been a lie they've not actually done a prequel for anything Mm. they've done films with flashbacks and i wouldn't be surprised if we had flashbacks if it's about her past but they've never done a prequel and i think when you look at where we're left now they kind of lied about uh far from home being a prequel Mm. because they didn't want to spoil the timeline they i think when we're talking about these TV series, we assumed Loki was going to be a prequel. Now we know it it, mm. it doesn't have it's, to be because he disappeared. Yeah. We know that Falcon and Winter Soldier is probably going to just continue onwards. Mm. We know Hawkeye is probably just going to continue onwards because Kate Bishop hasn't been introduced yet. Mm. And I would even say that Scarlet Witch is probably going to be 
continuing onwards because I reckon Vision's going to get rebuilt somehow without mm. the Mind Stone. Yeah, because they, you know, again, I was thinking about that last night because the friend sort of went, oh, what's going to happen with Vision? I went, well, probably rebuild him. And then I was like, oh, but, like, Tony's gone. It's like, Shuri's got all this shit. Like, Shuri dealt with him with his stuff yeah. in um, in Infinity War. So Shuri could rebuild him, I think. Yeah, so I think everything is moving forwards. Mm. So I think Black Widow is moving forwards. We might see flashbacks as she uncovers her past. Mm. But I think it's going forwards. I think that's why she didn't get a funeral. Mm. So everybody, you know, I've seen sites like Mary Sue saying she's been badly treated. Why didn't she get a funeral, etc.? I think they didn't give her a big meaningful funeral because it's not the end for her. Mm. And then it would have felt hollow and redundant mm. once we got to that point of her movie. Mm. So the only... Did they do a funeral for Nick Fury? In, but yeah, um, I think so. Did they? Okay. But this was all about endings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you don't want to do a false ending. Mm. So I think that's why mm. we got the frustration, but we didn't get the funeral. We only got the funeral for Tony because he's gone. Mm. Like, And he makes sense. The most sense is going. So, okay, so how is she alive and why hasn't she turned up? It's, I think it's all about putting the Soul Stone back. Because if you're putting these things right back at the moment they left, where does that mean for the Soul Stone? Because mm. if you say that the moment... Because it's it, not a physical thing, like it's a generated thing. Yeah, you can't say the moment that it left was when it appeared in Hawkeye's hand because you wouldn't mm. put it back in Hawkeye's hand because then you would be re the events would happen again. Yeah, yep. So it has to be before the sacrifice, hmm. which means Widow is alive hmm. and means that Widow probably went into this whole thing knowing more than she let on. Hmm. The other thing is, well, why hasn't she then shown up? If at the very end of the movie, Steve's gone back and fixed things and brought her back, why isn't she there? I think she has to benefit from everybody thinking that she's dead. Hmm. I think she wants to find out about her past she knows it's going to be dangerous and it's better for everyone to think that she's dead rather than her. Because then she can be a spy. Mm. And also, you know, if she goes and dies, she's like, oh, no, I'm back, I'm back, and then goes and yeah. dies straight yeah, away. Yeah. Uh, and I think the whole clue to all of this, the final smoking gun in this theory, is the Red Skull mentioning her father's name, which she didn't know. Mm. These movies are so economic in terms of exposition. They don't put anything in that isn't going to get paid off later. And it seems crazy for her to learn something about her father and then die and it never mm. be followed up on. And if this was a prequel, her solo movie, then she, the fact that her father was Ivan, etc., wouldn't matter because she doesn't know that. Mm. So it only matters if it's a sequel and she has that information and she can act on it. And I think that's what's going to happen. She's going to go and investigate this information about her father and try to find out where she came from. Mm-hmm. So... You know, just in the same way that Infinity War, they have that Tony and Pepper have that conversation about having a baby. You know that they were going to have a baby after that because mm. they, you don't put that stuff in in a mm. movie that juggles all those characters without it paying off. Mm. So I think that's what's happened. I think if you add all that stuff up together, it makes sense and she's still around. And there's no point killing that moment or cheapening that moment in this movie. I know they could have maybe shown her in a after credit scene or something to go, oh, it's still going to happen, but that would have dampened the impact of Tony mm. because it would have gotten us all thinking not, oh, we've just lost some characters we really care about, but, oh, anyone can come back at any time. Mm. So I think it will have to be meaningful later on. So, um, yeah, I am happy now. I think she's, uh, okay. she's going to pull through. 
Okay. Well, yeah. So you've 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 had the journey that I had after Infinity War when Loki died, where I was like reasoning and bargaining how he was not actually dead, and he was. He was very dead, but yeah. and now he's not dead. But I think this is uh, some pretty good evidence that's there. Yeah. Especially the the father thing, because you don't need it. Like it's not that he needs that to convince that he has knowledge, because he really could just say you have to have the sacrifice, mm. and then it would be them like the movie does them mm. sitting there. Mm. Where Hawkeye's like, oh, this is bullshit. And she's like, well, no, because Gamora mm. came here and didn't come back. Yeah. You don't need him to know about their families. Yeah. Yeah. So it's there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And same with the... I imagine... Oh, yeah. I imagine there will obviously be flashbacks. Because I've teased the... Um, well, not even teased, but mentioned the Budapest thing twice now. Yeah. And I know it was a bit of a kind of a fan favourite line in, in the first movie. And whether they've just mentioned it again as a nod to that as a fan service thing but yeah they've got it they've got to show something of that surely it's a reminder of their past together as well mm. it's a reminder that they worked very closely together mm. which you might need a refresher on before they mm. kill each other yeah yeah uh, so you know that that works as well but i think there will be flashbacks and mm. i think they're going to be able to get away with a younger scarlet in brief flashbacks like they mm. did in age of ultron mm. but I don't think they're going to try and pull that off for a whole movie. I don't believe that for a second. Because mm. if, you know, if it was about really about her origin and set in that time, she probably really should be like 17, 18 or something. So mm. I just can't see it happening at 34. Mm. So, yeah, that's all exciting. And I guess we'll find out more about these things relatively soon because if that is the direction they're going to go, we're going to know that in trailers and stuff. We're not going to, you know, they're going to have to reveal yeah, I, I would... Surely in trailers they would still have to go for the prequel ruse, though. I don't think they will. But unless they, but they would have to then reveal that she was alive in a, yeah. in a movie. So she would have to do, like, a, a scene at the end of Far From Home or something like that? No, they, they, I don't think they're that economic. Like, I think they're more economic than that. I think the trailer would just show her, you know waking up or being returned or waking you know it'll st like the trailer the first shot will be her waking up in the water in the soul stone or something mm. and then you'll get that like little sort of montage where but the, those sort of expositioning fix things up things are often happening in between films mm. you know i think it would be dealt with very briefly and then we would be back on the road you know it would, steve would be used as a kind of um and in a few years i, I would have been surprised if they've shot it already like shot that transition mm. You know that they shot it back when they were on, on the set doing that sort of stuff, and because it really just needs to be him bringing her back with the red skull, and then her deciding to go off and find out what the deal is, mm. and then the movie kicks in. So yeah, anyway, we'll see. But uh, that's my theory at the moment. Was there anything else with some time that you've uh, reconsidered or has occurred to you? No, I don't think so. I've seen some really nice pieces written. Um think pieces written about the film about the you know the cycles of grief and loss and and that sort of thing and I think that people that were maybe a little bit critical of the film at first are I guess rethinking their expectations and if they were maybe expecting a big punch em up superhero film and that's not what they got and they're a little bit disappointed um that I think they're coming around now 
You certainly got one in the last hour. Oh, yeah, yeah, but it wasn't like it wasn't like Infinity War. Like, Infinity War was just so full on for the whole thing. Um, and this was a much, much quieter, more reflective movie, which is, like, great. Like, I have obviously no issue with that, but there well, were obviously people that didn't expect that. Well, I stand by what I said last week, that idea that it's a three-act structure where Infinity War is the first act, mm. and then the first two hours of this is the second, mm. which is that reflective getting everything back together section, and mm. then this third, then the third... Oh, the final hour is the third act. Mm. So, yeah, I, th- I think it just... Um, because it's a, a big movie that's been cut up, mm. the split's just different. Yeah, I read an interview with... Um, uh, actually, I think it was a, an audio interview with Anthony Mackie that he said that um, he had no idea initially that he was going to be given the Captain America thing. Mm. And, the you know, he got found out... Chris Evans told him. Because he sort of went, oh, are you excited? And he's like, oh, excited about what? I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, oh, shit, dude, and gave him his script. And and that's how he found out. And they said on the day that they filmed it, he, you know, they, they rapped and he cried and Chris cried and the Russos cried and, and Maggie laughed. And then he's he was very excited to be doing it. Which, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, because, like, Mackie's a pretty... I've been watching a lot of those kind of endgame interviews and stuff, and he's this really sort of brash, kind of confident, swaggy guy, and just for him to kind of bring it down and be like, no, fuck, this is actually really important to me, like, as a black dude and for my sons and, and to kind of have this thing. And I was like, oh, shit, Mackie, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's reading uh, from one of the cast this morning. I can't remember who it was, but talking about filming the funeral sequence and they were told it was a wedding. Many of them have mentioned a wedding. Yeah, so yeah. That's what they were. They were all there doing in their black in their suits. Yeah, thinking that they were filming a wedding. Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. So why they're all smiling and throwing rice <laughs> yeah, in yeah. the funeral. Yeah, but like m- many of them, like I was in Ruffalo mentioned a wedding. Um, Might have been Ruffalo. That and I'm sure Scarlett maybe mentioned a wedding as well. Um, but Ruffalo is like, he's like, oh yeah, the, the the wedding, and then we thought it was like a wedding, and then it turned out to be like a different wedding, and everyone's looking at him like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's got a bad rap as uh, for spoiling all the films. All right, well let's uh, we'll open up Endgame discussion again. So if you guys want to post in this thread for this episode and talk more openly about what happens in it. Mm. Um, you know, as long as you give fair warning, I think we're good. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's talk about Game of Thrones. Dragon battle White Walkers stuff. Yeah. What yeah. was the episode? Did the episode have a name? Long Night or something? Yeah, Long Night. I think yeah. so. Yeah. Um, Movie length episode. I know a lot of people have been complaining about it being very dark. Um, and I think in hindsight, I probably wish I'd maybe waited until... The sun had gone down because there was a lot of those sections that my TV was maybe not coping with quite as well. I was like, what the fuck am I looking at here? Yeah, it's kind of, no pun intended, but um, I think unfortunately overshadowed the discussion about this. Mm. All the, oh, it's so dark memes. Mm. Uh, overshadowed the discussion about what a epic, interesting episode this was. Yeah. And also highlights that, you know, while it's great that this is on TV, people mm. watch it in so many different ways and formats yeah. and sizes and yeah. stuff. I found a lot of the, um, like, I don't have a 4K TV. I just have a normal television, and I was watching it streaming on Foxtel Now, and a lot of the sort of, you know, dark waves of stuff were just, like, really chunky and blocky as they were kind of moving across. I'm like, what am I even looking at? 
Um, but it obviously did not impact my um, enjoyment of the episode at all. No, I enjoyed the shit out of it. Mm. I could see what was going on. And those sort of questions that people had, a lot of the questions people had about it, I thought were kind of like more non-comprehendy sort of things. Like the amount of people that were going, oh, did Brienne die and stuff? And I was like, no, of course no, you she didn't fucking her. die. You would have... Like they would, they would have, have had a moment for her. They tagged all the deaths yeah. very, very clearly. Mm. They made a moment of it. They lingered. Mm. They did all that. No one important person is dying in a blurry dark second. Yeah. You know, that that just didn't happen. That's not the only, what we were watching. The only death I'm not sure of, um, the other dragon. Do you think there's two dragons left or one dragon left? No, I don't know. Yeah. Because the one that John was riding, um, Ray, Raygal? I think so. Um, it was fighting the ice dragon and it fell to the ground and it looked like looked pretty dead. Um, the Drogon seems okay at the end of the episode, but you don't really see whether the other one's alive or not. So yeah. I, I don't know how many dragons they're going to have at the end of this. Fuck, I love that shot of Drogon flying with all the... Whites on him. Yeah, <laughs> everything hanging off him. Yeah. So good. Yeah, so creepy. Um, I, think, I, I think I expected more people to die. In this episode, mm. to be honest, I thought Brienne was going to eat it. Uh, I thought Podrick would eat it. Podrick should have. Podrick should have eaten it. Gendry probably would have eaten it. Um, no, because he's going to be on the Iron Throne. No, he's not, though, because he's a bastard. So he's, like, pretty far down the list of eligible dudes. Yeah, so I guess at the end of it, you're kind of like, whoa, fuck, what's going to happen? And then it was kind of like, oh, actually, that wasn't that. I mean, it was devastating for me personally, obviously, as, as I spoke about last week on the episode that I really did not want Jorah to die um, defending Daenerys, but then, of course, that's what happened, and that enraged me. But uh, apart from... I mean, I knew he was going to die the second that they showed him at the front of the entire fucking army. He was at the... He was the first guy there, and he was there with, like... And I loved all the all the all the actors in this episode did a really great job. But I just think Ian Glenn sitting at the front of those Dothraki, and he looked fucking scared. Like he had fear on his face, he had tears in his eyes, and I'm like, oh, my boy's dead. He's so fucking. He's already dead. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he did a really good job. Um, th- you think about it. I mean, there's three episodes left. Mm. They've still got to take the battle to King's Landing. Yeah. And it's going to be far more enjoyable to watch if there are lots of characters in there oh, yeah, that we sure. do know than if it was all random oh, beardy yeah. folk because everyone had died. Yeah, but I mean, I think they, they killed off some pretty third stringers, didn't they? Like, I mean, the biggest person they killed off is fucking Theon. Yeah, but, you know? but that's that's the whole thing. Like, I, I know there's been some angst about what Arya does. And hmm. I've seen um, dudes scoffing on Twitter and going, oh, so this was the big battle. It all happened in one night at one location. Blah, kind of thing. Hmm. But the eight series has been it happening in lots of locations all over yeah. the place. This was yeah. the time when all the best people came together in mm. one spot for a last stand. Mm. So and they I mean, were they're, either going to succeed or die. And if yeah. a couple of them had escaped and gone on, then it would have been back to square one. It would have been small yeah. battles with desperate groups in smaller locations. Yeah, and there's a point where dudes are really reaching when they're going to call Arya a, a Mary Sue if she's been training for, like, eight years for this one moment. Oh, no one even fucking knows what that is. It's just a <laughs> total it's just It's just a women bullshit. are bad thing. Yeah. So dumb. 
Um, but yeah, I, th- I, I, my, I, like, I love the moment, obviously, like, it's, it was such a cool moment, but I'm still, like, just, like, where did she come from? Not that it really matters at the end of the day, because people are going, oh, no, she was in the tree, and it's like, no, 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 because she came from behind him. And I was like, well, no, she dropped down from, like, a window, and it's like, there's no windows right there. How did she get through all those white walkers? Oh, yeah. Like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things someone was saying to me, like, oh, I would have thought they'd be more alert or that, you know, she wouldn't be able to sneak up and stuff. And it's like, look at that guy. You know, when John was running after him, the Night King, like, sort of looked over his shoulder and went, eh, mm. and then kept walking while other people took care of it. Mm. I'm like, would it have been better if he was, like, walking into the garden going, oh, is that little girl around? Mm. Where is she? Everyone, keep an eye out for that little girl. No, he's just focused on Bran. He doesn't give a fuck. He's one. Yeah. Though, I mean, the, the White Walker dudes could, like, hear her blood dripping in the library. So it's, <laughs> it seems weird that they wouldn't have, like, noticed her walking up and just gone... At all. Yeah. But, you know, again... Would it, would it, have, been, uh, would it have been better? That, that's what I always got. Like, if when been, people if you, if have you... their ideas of, well, what if, or they should have, I always think, would it have made it better... Would it have been a solution or would it have created a lot more problems? Like, you mm-hmm. know... Okay, they okay, no, they do hear her and they turn around and kill her. Great, mm-hmm. now what? No, you what know? It, yeah, but if she was just in the tree and then drops out of the tree, then bam, done. Great, she was in the tree. Yeah, and why, why couldn't they hear her in the tree if they could hear her in the library? You know, like, it's always, how did she get in the tree? You know, there's going to be always something... <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's just completely unwinnable mm. for a creative person when you've got a billion people out there that, oh, but what if, you know, like they've at least thought about it for years and mm. looked at all the different possibilities and this is what they decided and how they decided it would be the most dramatic way. Mm. I mean, she must have done something to sneak up. She's a stealth fucking person. Mm. And, and if you're directing that scene, you've got to go, well, what's the best way to show it? Do we show her sneaking up? Mm. and have the audience going oh fuck is she gonna do it and watch her sneak up and mm. do that and watch her evade them or is it more impactful to the audience to just see the moment and not see her mm. sneak up you know you've got to make those choices and no one's going to be happy with whatever you do but they um they commit to it and, and they do it and um i don't know i probably would have done the same thing i, I don't know if i would have for i like i liked the shock that it was Arya. Mm. and even then when he grabbed her i thought for a second she might have been fucked mm. So, yeah, I don't know if I would have preferred to see her evade mm. everyone and get there and mm. have that spoilt for me. Mm. And even the knife move had been foreshadowed anyway. Because mm. there was a scene, like, last season or two seasons ago where she's, like, training with Brienne and she does it, She does that exact move with Brienne. Yeah. So, you know, it's nothing that really happened in that scene is out of character for that character or for that moment. Yeah, and, you know, like, we're only here right now, and and the person listening to this right now is only listening because of, you know, that we're getting this runoff effect from Game of Thrones. But Mm. at the same time, I really am at this point when we've got this TV series that has done so well and has really changed the TV landscape Mm. and, and is putting together this impossible conclusion, you know, in the same way that, even for Avengers, that's going to be difficult. For Star Wars, it's going to be difficult. All these things are really hard to do and to make people happy and won't make everybody happy. Mm. Um, I'm going to side with the creators because I think there's so many people that kind of 
profit, and I don't necessarily mean monetarily profit, but, you mm. know, profit in the broader sense of the word, off this work that get their sort of infamy and time in the sun online by with their dumb memes and, oh, but this was stupid, or look at this. Mm. And I think you haven't contributed a fucking fraction of what these people are doing and what they're pulling off and, and you know, even to the poor fuckers that have to flock the leaves of that tree. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's just mm. so much in it. Mm. So for then that to all be distilled down to, it was dark, lol, mm. or oh, as if that would ha-, you know, and it's like, mm. you've thought about it for two minutes. These people have um, lived with this for mm. nine years. Uh, so I'm on their side. I, I think it was great. Mm. The worst thing, the worst take out of it that I have read is um, Maisie Williams' boyfriend going, oh, should have been John. I dump him! Dump yeah. him! Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was 80 minutes of TV, which looked like a movie, and yeah. had me just on the edge of my seat. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Because, you know, it's it's the last season. Anyone can die, really. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, we have to keep them around for next season. No, anybody is on the chopping block at any time. And... My only real gripe, but I know that it's like a, just a, a me thing. I was hoping it to be a bit more dramatic. In the crypts, when the bodies came out of the crypts, I was kind of hoping they'd be a little bit more horrifyingly recognisable um, and not just skeletons, but, oh, you know, whatever. Uh, I thought Sansa was going to kill herself. I thought she and Tyrion were having yeah. some sort of pact where they were going to kill themselves. For a second. Um, they had a very nice moment. I enjoyed that. Fucking Theon had the dumbest Theoniest death he could have possibly had. Who runs at the Night King? You oh, know, Bran just, needed an extra minute. Just, just stand, just stand your ground, dude. And like, if he's gonna rip your head off, he can rip your head off a bit closer. It's fine. I feel like Bran. Bran knew. Knew where everyone was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he had eyes in the sky. Yeah. Uh, and knew sort of the timing of everything. Mm. But then, you know, look, that's not explicit in the show, mm. but I, I think those sort of ambiguities mm. and well, that he, he kind knew. of speculation on... Because you don't need to know where Arya came from or how she did it to know that she did do it and she was using abilities that she gained yeah, 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 yeah. Through, throughout all this. Mm. You know, you don't need every single thing spelled out for you. And, and I think as we're seeing with Endgame, for example, which has a lot of questions and a lot of holes and a lot of interpretations, mm. um, that's not a bad place to be you mm. know that that means it's something that will be talked about and theorized about and that everybody will have their own sort of ideas of, of what's happening mm. but again I'm, i far prefer people to ask well why did they make that choice as opposed to just be like oh that was shit mm. and you know and to think about actually what it takes to put something like this together and mm. you have to make decisions you have to film something mm. Mm. yeah there was uh, the thing is in this episode there were so many great unexpected moments even there's something that we felt like most people felt like they knew generally how the battle was going to play out like um you know that things are going to look bad and then that looked okay and and you know the crypts were going to happen and then i i had assumed that theon would die um defending bran and that you know there was going to be a big showdown at the tree so people knew the kind of shape but the shape of the episode really yeah but I just, I love Melisandre coming out of, like, fucking nowhere and then setting the pits on fire and, you know, that was really cool. And a beautiful bit of direction to have all those Dothraki blades light up for us yeah. to think, oh, shit, now we're in business, and then see them extinguished in seconds. Yeah. 
that was a really great way of setting just going, the tone oh, of, fuck, of okay. just what was about to, yeah. to happen here. Yeah, and I think people were at at first a bit critical of, you know, not the, the battle plan, but really, like, at that point, once your biggest, baddest dudes have just been wiped out in a second, like, your battle plan is immediately in tatters. Like, everyone's fucked. It's just fight for your lives at that point. And that's what it became, really. Yeah, well, you have a ground battle outside and then you go into a siege situation if that doesn't pan out. Mm. And, um, you know, they they figured it out. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think um, your average Twitter user is, a, you know, that able to critique the battle plan. <laughs> I'm going to assume they've uh, all read some books and done some research and decided mm. what was uh, best for the situation and also mm. what was going to be the most dramatically yeah, for sure. uh, pleasing, which uh, is also important too. And um, like I said, it fucking worked for me. I was so hooked on that episode. Mm. Um, and also so grateful to the episode that they didn't break the tension at any point, that they didn't... You know, there were a few moments where I was worried, like, are they going to just... Because I wasn't keeping an eye on the time. Are they just going to suddenly cut to the credits and make me wait all week? Yeah. So to get that resolution was, in all in one, was uh, really great. Yeah, I did have some workmates thinking, uh, saying that they assumed that when the Night King was walking towards Bran and the music was kind of going up, that mm. they would cut there. But then, you know, it would have meant they would have had to do it really in the first half of the, the next episode. And that's a weird climactic moment to have at the start of an episode and you would have broken the this great cumulative build yeah so um no good for them it was uh was excellent Mm. i'm uh we're blessed we are and three episodes left yes now i think i haven't seen the trailer properly for the next episode but i believe i think we thought that they'd be going down to king's landing but i think from the little bit that I've seen, I think Cersei might be coming to them, so they might meet halfway. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, really. I, I feel like there's going to be a, you know, that the last episode probably isn't going to be a, a big thing. It's going to mm. be the, like, previous season's last episode. It's going to be a bit of a... Epilogue. Epilogue, mm. endings, you know, the sort of quiet, sombre wrap-up. Mm. I, I think that probably the fifth episode is going to be the all hell breaks loose and this next one's probably going to be set up for that. Yeah, I did see uh, the list of, like, directors for each episode and people had identified, okay, well, these are going to be the two big battle episodes because these are the directors they Mm. get for those things. But I can't remember if it was five or six. Yeah. We shall see. Mm. But uh, I'm very excited. Mm. We get to watch tomorrow. Yay! Yes, very exciting. The, um... Uh, being at work, because obviously it airs on Monday here while we're at work, and God, being at work last Monday <laughs> was so tough because everyone was just like, oh, I just want to get home and watch it. I think I actually left work early. Just going, oh, yeah, guys, I'm just, just going to head out. And just went home and watched Game of Thrones. Mm. Yes. Exciting. So exciting. Yeah. And then you have to, like, wait for other people to watch it so you can talk about it. <sighs> Only for another couple more weeks. Yeah. And what a what an awful problem to have. And then you'd miss it when it's gone, folks. Yes, absolutely. I've got some like workmates and stuff that have only kind of just started watching it, so they're in sort of season two or three, and I'm like, oh, man, you have such a journey ahead of you. Mm. All right, well, look, I think that's it. That is it. I think it. we're done. Yep. Okay. Tinkety-tonk. <laughs>